Y'all, welcome to an episode of Sports Time with my glad to have you. Please make sure you subscribe below. We have a very special episode for y'all today. I can't wait. We're talking all NBA hoops, NBA playoffs, Atlanta Hawks, Milwaukee Bucks, USA basketball, and more. All here next on Sports Time with my. Whether you in a car, room, office, or tone, wearing in the morning, got to talk for all the news. Sports talking, we talking sports talking. I'm thinking ready to play in the Jeter fuse with Boston. Man, we got a special, special guest today. Long, long overdue. Max Van Auken, host of the MVP podcast, man, on all platforms. Make sure y'all go follow my guy, Max, dude. Max, I appreciate you uh, stopping by, man, doing this interview with me, man, for real. Absolutely. Anytime, uh, you can talk basketball with someone that truly enjoys the game. It's uh, getting better now. That's why I do it. I absolutely love it. So anytime, right? <laughs> whenever people's schedules line up, I'm always all for it. So thank you for having me. Of course, man. Of course. And um, let's let's just get right into it because there's a lot of basketball to talk about. Man, the last week or so has been action packed. Um, I want to start off with your most recent episode since you just dropped it yesterday, and everybody needs to go listen to it. The story of the playoffs right now was the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, let's just be honest. <laughs> and in the meltdown that you we just witnessed, thanks to our uh, ATL Hawks, um, is this was this like obviously it's a great win for Atlanta, but what do you what did you get out of the Philly loss and specifically Ben Simmons? Um, well, first of all, um, I didn't know you were based out of Atlanta. That's awesome. I'm actually really interested in that area. Um, so, first of all. I picked Atlanta to beat the Philadelphia 76ers. I picked, I picked them to beat them. Uh, simple math equation, threes and twos. I just thought they offered more of an issue for Philly. But thanks to Rashad, um, he was talking to me. And I'm like, okay, that's a great point. And I told Ryan Hollins this, Brandon Hayward. And I was like, it's Seth Curry and Tobias Harris were the X factors because they're the only people that can match that math equation with threes and twos. And we saw Seth Curry had an amazing series. Now he's a liability defensively at times, but we got what we wanted or expected from Seth, 20-plus points. Um, we knew uh, Joel Embiid's dominant. Mm -hmm. what this is, what Ultimately what this was, besides Atlanta having an unprecedented type of uh, run from a team that no one really talked about during the regular season now in the Eastern Conference Finals up a game against Milwaukee. So first let's give Atlanta your hometown and also Trey Young their flowers, Nate McMillan. But what did this say for Philly is – like I always say on my podcast, expectations are absolutely everything. So the yep. expectations for Philly was, oh, we have Doc Rivers. We have Daryl Morey now. We have our MVP candidate in Joel Embiid. We have Ben Simmons as number one overall pick, defensive player of the year candidate, who I thought should have gotten it. And we're the number one seed in the East. So we want to go to the championship game. We want to go to the finals. Yeah. Now, and we added shooters around them. We added exactly. the Danny Greens. Exactly. We added, you know, it looks good on paper, like you said. Exactly. So your expectation now, if they would have went to the finals and lost, they went to the finals. But their expectations are we're going to the finals. We, we're the whole season. How do they match up with Brooklyn because of the size? So for them to lose because of what the expectations were in the second round is devastating. And now it's required. It forces Daryl Morey to look at himself in the mirror, look at this roster, and say, "What do I need to do and change?" And we know Daryl Morey's aggressive. We know he doesn't mind making adjustments and changes. So. Obviously, we're going to have a completely different 76ers team going into next season. So first off, the expectations compared to what the result was is just flat out disappointing. It is. And I want to just say, so I'm from Detroit, just like Rashad. It's pretty okay. funny. Rashad and I actually go 
way, way back. I knew Rashad since I was probably like 10 years old. Um, always hip, hooping at his dad's gym and uh, Verge Phillips, a great guy. Um, I moved down to Atlanta about two, three years ago, and it's like it's like baby Detroit. So it's been home ever since. Um, but yeah, like you said, that Philadelphia 76ers, um, they've been there twice, you know, to the conference finals. And it was with a team that most would say was not as well-rounded as this team is. You know, they're one shot away with the Kawhi Leonard bounce. And so you look at, like you said, expectations, they have to at least get back to the finals. But I guess, what did you see that stopped them from getting there? You know, Joel Embiid did what he did. Steph Curry was absolutely amazing. And I guess the obvious is Ben Simmons. But from what I've seen with Ben Simmons, it wasn't that he was missing lots of shots. He just found a way to stop shooting. Right. Um, well, there's a couple things. So before I even get into Ben Simmons, I would be remiss if I don't bring these points up. So first of all, the playoffs are all about adjustments. Like, it's all about adjustments. And that's obviously why Ty Lue got the job over in Los Angeles for the yeah. Clippers and why Doc Rivers, it didn't work out with him. Whether you think it was too short, if it was all on Doc Rivers or not, that's a different story. But I think lack of adjustments, because that's obviously what the playoffs are about. So if you see certain struggles, you see certain things that are happening, um, that's time for you as a coach to make those adjustments. And we have to have that conversation as much as I love Doc Rivers and he, he is a, a great coach and what he has a great history, but there was a lack of adjustments throughout the postseason, especially obviously in the last series, losing mm -hmm. seven games to Atlanta. Um, but you also have to think their style of play started to get to isolation. Um, it started to get very predictable and that's just not championship basketball, especially when you look at the teams like the Phoenixes and the Clippers right now and um, the way Atlanta's playing, it's just, that's not championship basketball. So that's the first step that I would say, and then secondly, to your point, and that's the before I get into my different take with Ben Simmons, I will agree with everybody. It's the lack of confidence. There's no way you're the number one overall pick getting the type of money that you're getting and you're supposed to be that guy next to Joel Embiid and you just don't show up at all. And it's one thing to not perform or there's layups that you're missing. You're being aggressive. You can't hit your free yeah. throws. But he completely clocked out. And when you clock out, you're clocking out on your team. So they expected, hey, we don't expect him to get 25 a night, 30 a night, but we just need Ben Simmons to play like Ben Simmons, and he didn't even show up. He's passing up layups. He's passing up dunks. He's just not aggressive. Like, you wouldn't even know he was on the court offensively. Now, defensively, yeah. of course, still did his thing, but offensively, it was just not there. We all know he wasn't a good shooter, so I don't think we expected him to knock down threes, but it just completely shut down and not even take field goal attempts when your team needed it most, that's all on Ben Simmons 100%. Yeah, and they always talk about the playoffs as a half-court game. And I do think that's a little bit where Ben Simmons struggles at because he is a full-court transition guard. He reminds you of an old-school Magic Johnson. He wants to get out and run and get his guys involved. Yep. So when it comes playoff time, like you say, and adjustments are made, teams know we need to slow them down. And – the reason that I picked the Hawks to beat Milwaukee is the same exact reason. Ben Simmons and Giannis are very similar as they're both transition guys. And the Hawks found a way to slow the game down defensively, at least, to make Ben Simmons get to the top of the key. And now we got to go through an offense. Yeah. And, and you have a point guard in a pick and roll that can't shoot kind of makes it guardable. Right. Right, absolutely. You don't have the defense playing honestly because they know we don't have to guard the shot. We can just go under. It's a and pick so, and roll and we know you're passing. Absolutely. Every <laughs> single time. It's a book you've already read. 
And that's a great point with your Atlanta pick uh, with Milwaukee because it is very, very similar. Once they get to a stagnant type of offense, a half-court set, it's not transition, it becomes a lot more predictable. And that's where we saw Giannis struggle in Brooklyn. We're like, Giannis, what are you doing? You're settling for jump shots because you don't know what to do. Yeah. If you make them play honestly, roll to the basket, get off the ball. And that's a great that's a great point by you for sure. Yeah, so I want to touch bases. So what happened to Philly happened. So I guess now the question is, what's next, not only for the Sixers, but more importantly, I want to hit on this Ben Simmons topic you got for us, because I need to, I know that people need to hear it. What's next for Ben Simmons? Right. I, I'm, I'm with you on saying buy high. Yeah, exactly. So when stock is at its lowest is when you purchase the most of it, so you make the most profit and you flourish. So right now, everybody is, Ben Simmons terrible. He's awful. He has no value. He's a bust. He's a number one overall pick. Now look at him. You get max money. Now, Everything that we just talked about prior to this is true. He didn't show up. He did have a bad series. He did lack confidence. So by me saying buy his stock is I'm still acknowledging what the bad is. Like he Mm -hmm. still didn't show up. But what I'm saying is he still has incredible value. So if you're a Golden State um, that's surrounded, if you surround him with a Steph and a Clay, um, I don't know what you would have to give up necessarily to get him. If it's a James Wiseman or I don't think Philly would necessarily be interested in a Draymond that's older, but if you somehow were to acquire him and you surround him around those pieces, he has incredible value. He's a 6'9", 6'10", playmaker who's great defensively. And if you surround him with shooters so the paint is wide open, oh, my God, he will flourish. All he needs is the right – situation is everything. So if he has the right environment and he's surrounded by people who can work with him, I don't know, maybe the greatest shooter of all time, the <laughs> greatest shooter of all time to help him yeah. with shooting, he would be tremendous. You go to Portland. Um, a lot of people may have pushed back a little bit on this, but Portland has lacked defense and another playmaker for Dame. Dame is the playmaker, he's the scorer, he's the closer, and there's no defense. Yeah. You replace C.J. McCollum with Ben Simmons, now Dame has another playmaker, he has another vers- he has a versatile defender, so now that backcourt's a little more balanced, and Philly needs another reliable perimeter scorer. Him and Embiid don't work. So. No. Just because they don't work doesn't mean Ben just doesn't work anymore. So that's why I said buy Ben Simmons stock now because what you're going to get, I can't force him to work hard and play hard, so I can't guarantee that. But what I can guarantee is if you put him in a right situation with a coach, with the right environment, with the right culture that knows how to work with him, and you put him in the right basketball environment, I know Ben Simmons can flourish. So that's why I said buy Ben Simmons stock when everybody is off. And the, the Warriors are a great, a great option. I mean, obviously, you'd have to give up some stuff, probably both of the first-round picks you got. I think maybe a guy like Andrew Wiggins, because you got to match that high contract from Ben Simmons. But you get a guy like Draymond Green in your ear saying, you're the best, you're the best, you're the greatest, you're good. Yeah. You got a great motivator like Draymond. You get shooters around him. And now he has less responsibility. Um, and when those expectations are lower – Kind of like you told me yesterday with the Hawks, you're playing with house money, you know, Absolutely. and um, and I, I agree with you 100 percent. Ben Simmons isn't shouldn't be outcasted. You know, he's not down in the dust. But for years, we all have been questioning, does Joel and Ben work? And we've all been most of us have been saying, no, it doesn't work. You got two big guys, basically, because Ben ain't a guard at this point. That shot says a dual forward. So 100 percent right. I think the bomb just finally ticked and blew up and they can't keep trying to force that no yeah this needed to happen in order for you had to rip the band-aid off so they had yeah. to lose to a team that they were supposed to beat. 
They had to have a good season and then like just completely crumble in the postseason. This had to happen in order for them to be like, okay, this doesn't work. And now that's what you're going to get. Now, a lot of people brought up Minnesota. Um, I mentioned Dallas. I understand it's not the best fit, but I'm just saying there's going to be a lot of aggressive owners who are just going to explore what the market is like for him. Because if you yeah. didn't have to give up that much and you can acquire a Ben Simmons, I think a lot of teams that you don't expect, oh, that doesn't may not work, that doesn't fit, are going to go after that just to see what the kind of market is like for him. Yeah, because you know Philly has to get rid of them. They got four or five years left on a thirty-plus million-dollar contract, so there's they're not keeping them. <laughs> so you you know that that the trade is there. So that's that's a very good take you got there on Ben Simmons, and y'all better go listen to uh, Max's podcast. Um, enough for the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's let's talk a little bit about these Atlanta Hawks right now. Um, a lot of people are shocked. We're not. <laughs> we've right. been we've been some of the few talking about the Atlanta Hawks all season. They had what seven televised games, and yep. we kept saying you need to watch out for these Hawks. Not only is Trey Young special, but they got depth, and they've got a lot of ball players. Acquiring Lou Williams was nothing but a benefit for those guys. And I just want to say, what are you seeing from the Hawks that had them, I guess, upset the Knicks, upset Philadelphia, and now have a chance to upset the Bucs? Uh, purpose. I think very few teams play with purpose. And you can tell this team has a purpose. Their purpose is, okay, we've been counted out. No one thought we were going to beat Knicks at, M at MSG with the revived Knicks and everyone was there. Spike Lee was there. Chris Rock is there. Everyone's thinking about the Knicks comeback. And they play with a the purpose. They play with the chip on their shoulder. And that's something that all the greats have. LeBron has it. Tom Brady drafted in the sixth round has it. Dak Prescott drafted in the fourth round has it. Russell mm -hmm. Wilson has it. All the greats, and I know I'm talking about individuals, but it goes for a team as well. When you're counted out, that gives you an extra motivation to unite everybody together. Typically, like this is kind of an extreme comparison, but whenever there's a tragedy within the country, it unites us and it brings mm -hmm. us together. And so when you take a team that, oh, fire their coach, they're not that good. Trey Young, just a stat guy. So you have all these things that they've been labeled as with the narrative has been driven. We're not giving them that many TV games, like you mentioned. It's like, okay, well, we're going to show you. So now yep. it's united all of them together, and they just rode that momentum, and they're playing with a purpose. And you see Trey Young, for as talented and gifted he as he is, the most impressive thing to me is his, his ability to capture the moment. He took a bow at MSG. He took, like, he, he's embracing the villain role. He's embraced, like, oh, I'm going to be that guy. And so when you have such a young player that's your leader setting the tone – the whole locker room has to follow. So mm -hmm. the purpose has just been there. It's united them. So you combine that with a well-coached team. You combine that with a good shooting team, with a young team. And now you're getting the product of all of those things. And now we're seeing Atlanta up in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, and that's those are some great analogies, though. And I don't even think that's a far stretch. You know, I'm a big, uh, a big godfather guy. So yeah. I, I love the scene with Al Pacino and Hyman Roth talking. Yeah. And he says... I, I think that these guys can beat us because they have nothing to lose. Yeah, and, exactly. And they, you play with house money. You got when you play with house money, you know, and everything's on the line. And if you win, it's great. And if you lose, no one cares because you were expected to lose. You come in there, like you say, with a gigantic chip on your shoulder. Trey can throw a ball off the glass coming down the lane. He can cross over, shake his shoulders, and chill because. Right. If they lose, yeah. if they lose. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> it's already a plus. Yeah, that's why I said I, I'm a huge Rocky fan. So that's why I compared it. I'm like, when Rocky and Apollo met in that first movie, they're like, 
Rocky doesn't belong in the same ring. Who is he? We're not talking about him. We're focused on Apollo Creed. So he goes in there. It's already a success that he stepped foot in the ring. So every round that he goes, he starts to gain confidence and momentum. And now it's like in the second movie, we all know what happens. He beats Apollo. And that's why I said Atlanta is Rocky because they're the team of the future. We know once they start to hit that stride and that talent, and they're going to start getting yep. more free agents. They're the team of the future. So right now this is Rocky one and they're going to the distance in the Eastern conference finals. Yeah. It's already a success. And you know, from here, they can only get better. Right. Um, magnificent job by Nate McMillan. I really hope the Hawks yeah. sign him to a oh, full contract now. I mean, it doesn't make sense not to, you know, he's proven right. himself. And, um, and, and for the Hawks, like you just said, you're already at success, but go ahead and go ahead and keep going. Why not? Right. You know, go, go ahead and try to win this whole thing. And exceptional stuff I've seen out the Eastern Conference. I don't think there's much to talk about, about as far as Brooklyn's concerned, to be honest. I mean, the injuries happen. Um, right. No need for excuses because that's part of the game. You can look back on any playoff. There's always big time injuries. Right. They, played a, they played a heck of a series against a really good team and they just were shorthanded. And I think the Nets are going to be back. Right. No, I agree. It's the same thing. It's availability is the best ability. And that's honestly why. And now, granted, I did pick the Lakers and Obviously, availability kind of hurt me on that, too. So, yeah. But that's why I wasn't convinced with Brooklyn because Kyrie got hurt everywhere he's been from Duke to Cleveland to Boston to now Brooklyn again last year and now Brooklyn again this year. And then I looked – now, granted, James Harden, I didn't see his injury coming because we typically didn't see him getting injured. Now, he did begin the season a little bit out of shape, and he never really gained his momentum in the regular season besides early, and then yeah. he had a little bit of an irritating injury. So you take that into account. And then low-key, if you look at Kevin Durant, he's been hurt at OKC. He got hurt in Golden State. And then he got yeah. hurt. Obviously, he was recovering from that injury, and he bounced back better than anybody I've ever seen from a torn Achilles. But then you combine that with the lack of defense, depth, and chemistry, first-time coach. I, that's why I didn't pick them. Now, granted, yeah. if they were all healthy, they're beating Milwaukee. But that, like you said, it's a part of the game. It's a part of the game. You know, I saw, or I want to say Kendrick Perkins might have said it, the best team doesn't always win the NBA title. You know, it's you need a little bit of luck. A little bit and, of luck. And you need some stuff to fall your way, and that's just how it, that's just how it goes. But right. like you said, and obviously when you trade your whole team away for James Harden, one injury is obviously going to affect you because you don't have that depth anymore. So that's just – that was just a given. You trade away almost four to five guys. So I, I totally agree, but – the Eastern Conference is the Hawks, the Hawks and the the Nets. I say for the next couple of years, but man, I want to talk about those Phoenix Suns out of the West. Man, I almost want to shed a tear when I watch what Chris Paul is doing for that Phoenix Suns team. Um, you talked about it early, early in the off season. I know I, I hit it on my five top five teams to watch. What did Chris Paul bring to the Phoenix Suns? All right, so I'm all about analogies and people. At first, I'm like, Max, what are you talking about? And then, so once I broke it down, I'm like, okay, that, that may make sense. So for your audience, it may make sense. So originally, I came up with this analogy with Michael Jordan and LeBron. And so I've noticed, if you're a Michael Jordan guy, I'm not going to convince you to be a LeBron guy and vice versa. So I'm like, yep. how, how can we both appreciate them? So I said, Michael Jordan is Wi-Fi, and I said, LeBron is Bluetooth. Where, now get it, so Michael Jordan, he can't connect with everybody because he's a, his competitive spirit. He can come up as a jerk. But when he connected with you, it was a stronger signal. Connection for life. Him and Scotty. Him and him and Rodman. It, like not everyone's in range to connect with him though. So you look at LeBron, and he's Bluetooth. He can connect to every device in the room. You can just hook up and connect any player you throw at him. He's gonna make better. J.R. Smith to Kevin Love to Clarkson to Kyrie. But it may not be the strongest signal. It may not be as strong as Michael Jordan's signal. 
Um, so that's why I compare that. So I said Chris Paul has that. I like that. Yeah, uh, Chris Paul has that Wi-Fi quality where everywhere he goes, he wins. And but some people he rubs the wrong way because how competitive he is. He's a big time communicator. He knows basketball yeah. too much. Smart, he wants to win. <laughs> coaches, that's just he's confrontational. But when you connect with him, he will elevate you, and he's going to make you better. He did it with Blake Griffin. He did it with DeAndre Jordan. Now, granted, they didn't fully connect to the signal. They ended up button heads. But in Phoenix, they're like, uh, you take a young Phoenix team who needs to learn how to win, and you're like, they said, I'm going to connect with you. They connected to Chris Paul's Wi-Fi. Devin Booker is the superstar that we know it. We now have DeAndre Ayton playing out of his mind. They're playing like the number one pick we should have seen. You have a great coach, Amani Williams, and you have a great team of role players that all know their role. So you combine that with that connection of the Wi-Fi, and it's just unreal. So when Shad and I said he's the most valuable player in the NBA, I meant it. Right now, he I, I thought he should have gotten the MVP. It doesn't yes. mean Devin Booker shouldn't isn't the best player, but Chris Paul is the most valuable player. You could you can have both on the same team, and so that's what you're getting. You're getting the product of the best player benefiting from the most valuable in Chris Paul. Yes, a lot of people don't understand. MVP doesn't mean you're the best player in basketball. It never has meant that. It just means you're literally the most valuable person to your team. And you take Chris Paul off that Phoenix Suns team, you take off Joker from the Nuggets, the Nuggets are going to be okay still. They're going to be around an 8-9 seed. They'll be in the play-in game for sure with a healthy Jamal Murray. You saw what happened when the Suns didn't have Chris Paul. They were basically one of the worst teams in basketball even with Devin Booker scoring 70. So right. you're, you're 100% right. That connection, and then, like you said, the role players' confidence is an MF, man. When you get that confidence in you and everyone around you is with the greatness, that makes guys like Cameron Payne and Mikhail Bridges and Sarge. It makes those guys want to, okay, I got yeah. to come hoop too. Okay, yeah. dang. I can't let Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Aiden down. They all doing their thing. I got to come in and carry my weight. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now. And now they're just rolling, even without Chris Paul. Yeah, it, it's it's a well-oiled machine. And that, and honestly, isn't that what they say? Like, you know you're a good leader or a good coach when your team shows up to practice and does everything they're supposed to do without you even being there. Like, you could show up late to practice and they're going on the baseline doing 16s already. That's yep. what happened. Chris Paul went in the locker room. This is what we need to do. So now when his absence, when his presence isn't there – they still know what they need to do. And that's how yep. you know this is a dangerous team. Yes, 100%. And, and the Clippers have their hands full now. You go, you have a – they don't want to say it, but you got Kawhi out with more than likely a torn ACL. I don't know yep. why he's doubtful for every game. I think he's done for right. the season, more than right. likely. Like, they're hiding that report still. But you got, you got a Paul George looking at a team, and I was telling someone the other day, I get a lot of I basketball when I watch the Clippers, a lot of how can I be better? I don't get a lot of we when I watch these guys. And that's kind of what I saw late in the game, too, and kind of how they they cracked under pressure and gave up the, the oop at point nine seconds. You see when they when Aiden makes the oop, everyone starts looking at each other, almost wanting to point fingers. What were you doing? What were you doing? Where were you at? It, it's not a big we in that Clippers locker room. And I think without Kawhi, they're starting to see that because they don't have that well-oiled machine moving like it's supposed to move without them. And I think a lot of that, obviously, what happened last year. Um, but this Clippers organization is always underachieved throughout the history of the NBA. Always is underachieved. So when the expectation is you're going to fail and you're a part of that, 
you don't want to be the reason why you failed. Mm-hmm. You don't want that blame to go on you. So what can I do to speak? Hey, this isn't my fault. That's his fault. That's the reason yeah. why we failed. And so they're so quick to do that. And to your point, it's like Paul George, like, oh, I know I can't do that because I'm playoff P. Rondo's like, oh, people are saying it now. I can't have the same effect here. Patrick Beverly's like, oh, people do. Everyone on that team has <laughs> their own individual motive on why it can't be their fault. Yeah. And we've had this issue with them since last year. And the same same exact issue. There's not a complete presence to say, no, this is this is us, not I. Yeah, 100%. And um, I wouldn't be – I call Suns in five, but I wouldn't be shocked if the brooms came out. I really wouldn't. Really? I mean, just with the injury of Kawhi, I don't – I don't Chris see, Paul's coming back. Yeah, I, I assume Chris Paul was going to be back for game three. Yeah. So I, I just don't see the Clippers having enough firepower – to be able to contain it. I mean, you can't you can't assume Terrence Mann is going to get your 20 a night. You know, he was fantastic in game seven. But when you go back and watch the film, he just did his job. You know, right. he did his job, knocked down open shots like he's supposed to, but he didn't do anything creating his own shot astronomical where you're like, man, we got to put this guy in our game plan for next week. Right. The game plan was like, hey, just don't give this guy any more open jump shots in the corner off the screen and roll. Um, right. So I that's what I kind of saw with the Clippers is they just don't have enough. Um, you're asking a ton out of Reggie Jackson to be the second scorer. Yeah, no, yeah. And, and he's playing great basketball, but to your Amazing. Point, that's not what his role was supposed to was supposed to originally be. No, not at all. So I, I, I'm so would you pick for that series, the Clippers and the Phoenix? How do you I see picked, that I one picked, unfolding? Yeah, I you pick Phoenix, Phoenix as well. Yeah, I picked Phoenix and then the Milwaukee series. It kind of like I picked Milwaukee to actually win this series. But I, but I, well, the reason why I made that analogy was because everyone was picking Milwaukee, like, oh, it may be sweep four or five games. I'm like, no. I said, and I, that's why I'm kind of jealous of you right now. I'm a little envious because my heart was like, obviously I'm rooting for Atlanta. And I made that Rocky analogy for a reason because it won't shock me if they upset them. I just had a weird feeling Milwaukee's experience with their veteran players um, being battle-tested with the Tuckers and whatnot, the holidays and the Middletons. Um, that they would squeeze it out. But I definitely have Phoenix coming out of the West. And, and, and I mean, but you're right, though. This is Milwaukee's – this is their year to get that title. You know, yeah. like, they've been the best team in basketball overall record two out of the last three years. Right. No Golden State, no LeBron James. The favorite yeah. Brooklyn Nets are down. Like, this is, this is your – this is you. So, like, the, the pick of the Bucks is like, man, it, it makes sense. And that's what it's supposed to be. Um, but this is going to get a lot of flack. I always say, man, Chris Middleton's a great player. He's a very good scorer. He's he's not your second option, though. You know, he I, I don't he's not a second option guy to me. And I think that's why he goes five for 23 sometimes. Cause he has a lot of weight on his shoulders. I think Drew Holiday's supposed to be that second guy more than Chris Middleton is. Um, but Drew's gonna have his hands full all series with Trey. So I I think that puts the Bucks in a very tough position. And, you know, I agree with you, but what's really weird is he's their number one option. Yeah. And so it's like, <laughs> and now so when people are like, what are you talking about? Giannis is the best player on that team. You can't but, run a play for him. But, yeah, you can't. And, then, <laughs> and when you need a bucket, it always goes through Middleton. And so someone who we don't think is even a number two on a legitimate championship team is your number one option. Yep. And, and they don't have that figured out. And that's honestly why – if the finals were to be Milwaukee and Phoenix, I would go Phoenix because I trust Chris Paul and D-Book late over Giannis and Middleton, and you're going to have some close games in the finals. So that's what makes this team so awkward to me is because – They're very awkward. 
Yeah, it's your your number two guy who shouldn't be a number two guy is your number one guy, Leighton Gates. Yep, no, that's exactly it. It is very it is very weird to watch. That's hilarious that you said that because yeah. we're on the same page on that one. <laughs> right. Um, I want to very briefly talk about uh, the L.A. Lakers. Obviously, I had them going to the finals before the loss. You had them in the finals yeah. as well. Um, injuries, you know, hurt happen. So I guess what's next for the Lakers? Because they're in a weird spot here where LeBron's aging. Most people don't want to admit it, but he's aging. You know, he's getting mm-hmm. older. And it's at that time where AD has MVP potential. Right. But really, they don't have the draft picks to, to get anything great. They don't really have the supporting cast. That's amazing. What, what What's next, for, I guess, for the L.A. Lakers to get them back to this championship spot? Or is it as simple as a healthy LeBron, a healthy AD, they're back in the finals? Um, I think LeBron does come back healthy. I think a lot of people forget. Now, granted, he is aging. He's going into year 19. I hope he would be. Now, I think a lot of what happened is him coming off an ankle injury. So I know a lot of us were so quick to say, oh, look, he's no longer the best in the world. But I looked at the body of work, and I'm like, he was the favorite to win the MVP. He was playing like the best in the world. He got injured. He came back. And obviously, that wasn't the best comeback because he was, should have came back a lot earlier. And like they kept pushing it back, kept pushing it back. Yeah. It was a lot more extreme than we thought, or maybe they were presenting it to be. And so I think we have to give him, I think he's earned the right to say, okay, maybe it was the ankle a little bit. Let's see how he bounces back. So I think we will get a LeBron that bounces back and is amazing. Um, But I think him and Anthony Davis, I'm not going to act like I know their relationship or what's going on in the locker room, but I do think he has to have a heart-to-heart conversation with AD because a lot of people are saying, according to reports, is that AD doesn't always come into shape. And so if AD wants to be that guy and we want LeBron to pass the baton to him to the Lakers – they need to have a heart-to-heart conversation. Like, look, look, we need you to be in shape because, granted, you could be injury-prone, but I feel like a lot of these injuries are self-preventable. Yes, are preventable. They're self-inflicted. It's like we need you to be in shape from start to finish. And because we saw him when he was rested in the bubble, playing for something he wanted to play for, he didn't get injured in the postseason. <laughs> so, granted, he he falls every time and you hold your breath, but we need him to get in shape. And so, as far as the overall roster, they're gonna shake it up. I think the only people they don't get rid of, obviously, Braun and AD is maybe Caldwell Pope because of his contract um, and possibly Caruso because I think Caruso is a free agent, but I think he'll take as much as as possible to play with Braun. Um, But other than that, they need to surround this team with shooters, and it's just that simple. You have two players that are dominant in the paint. Um, You need to surround them with shooters that can knock down shots. I mean, that's clearly been LeBron's recipe to success his whole career from Cleveland, Miami. Um, last year, I mean, Carbo Pope hit some big shots, even though they were really good defensively, not so much the best shooting team. But they need to see what they can do. Now, I'm, I don't think you have to get a home run out of the park to say they, they can win the championship next year. You don't have to just necessarily get a Daniel Lillard or a Steph Curry. Granted, you're going to try, but yeah. they don't really have the assets. Like, why would Portland trade Dane for Carbo <laughs> Pope and Kuzma? And, and then, yeah, you game. know, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make the most sense. So unless you can trade somebody who the market is low for or the, t- the player literally uses their leverage and say, I don't want to go here, but I only want to go here, you just need to get some role players that you know are going to be good, not a liability defensively, but can knock down shots for Braun and AD. Yeah, and I, the, the AD thing, um, I, I, this season he did come in like a little lackadaisical, but I, you can blame him, of course, but, man, he spent so long – playing in New Orleans where he was the only guy hooping. No one was watching the guy hoop, you know, and he finally gets to play for something and he wins. I got the, I got the idea basically that he hit that mountaintop and was like, 
I made it. Yeah, you know, right. I, I, I got my title. We're good. Super and Bowl hangover. Super Bowl hangover. And it takes a special person like a, a LeBron or Kobe to when they win it, immediately say, I want to do that again. You know, that, that's a special type of person. And AD just may not be that guy. You know, a lot of guys, their goal is, you know, to get drafted. Once they get drafted, they're like, cool, I made it. Yeah. Or to finally start. I start, then I make it. AD got that ring, and he, he came into this year like, you know, I'm kind of good. You know, my career is kind of solidified. And I just hope that, like you said, they have that heart-to-heart. And LeBron lets them know, like, man, you can get more. You know, right. like, we can go back to this, dude, and you can – solidify your jersey can be up in the rafters man if you continue to dominate here in this stadium um so no you're exactly right that heart to heart is definitely going to be needed that's a great point because tom brady just won his seventh super bowl and he's already acting like he never won one the next day the next day day. (laughs) all right tampa let's get ready and he's trying to win eight and so it's like you have to have a short memory when you're trying to compare yourself to the all-time greats and i think we all know we're never questioning ad's talent we've never never questioned that it's just availability. And so if you get a, an available AD with a smart brawn surrounded by the right supporting cast, of course, the, you can't count them out. Not at all, man. So I know you got to get going. I want to talk about two more things before we go. USA basketball and the NBA draft. Uh, my order just dropped out. Detroit Pistons got the number one pick. So I know you and Rashad are going to have some stuff coming out. But yep. how do you like, you know, the... I guess the initial, the, the draft lottery, the the first 12 picks, I assume there's going to be some trading from Golden State. Um, but I guess let's just briefly talk about, you know, some of your favorite prospects that you see out of college that could be going to these top five teams, especially, hopefully, the Detroit Pistons take Kay Cunningham. Right, I about to say, well, first off, just out the way, like what Shada said, it reminds him of Grant Hill. Kay Cunningham uh, – should be the number one overall pick. Like, he should be Detroit, your pick. Yeah. 100%. Like, there shouldn't be any and ifs or buts about it. Kate Cunningham's the type of guy, you don't have to outthink the room. Like, that's your guy. Yeah, um, don't think too hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't think too hard. You prom, please don't do it, Detroit. Um, as far as the rest, there's a lot of, this is a really good draft, and we're starting to really dive into it now to prepare for it. But um, Scotty Barnes is a really interesting player to me that I know a lot of people look at the Jalen Greens or the Suggs or the Mobleys, but Scotty Barnes has a lot of potential that I think is really interesting for a lot of teams. So we, I always think about drafting the best available. I know a lot of people are like, what does your team need? But sometimes you just have to draft, draft the best player and you make it work personally. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see what these franchises do because I think a lot of times they get caught up, oh, well, we already have this or we already have this. But you need to draft what's best for you and your franchise mm-hmm. and you make it work. That's your job. You make it work. Um I'm an Orlando Magic guy just because I covered the Magic and it's an hour away from where I am in Daytona. And so I'm going to be really intrigued to see what they do. Sometimes I always – I have to hold my breath. You guys like the Pistons. You guys are both in a spot yes. where you can have a draft pick this year that, like, gets you back on track. Yeah. Or you can have another draft where Orlando and the Pistons both leave me like – Yeah, that's why I'm like ah, – What they, what they trying to do here? They've never had an identity recently. It's like you've had a bunch of young talent, but they're like, oh, we have Aaron Gordon, but Vucevic is our all-star, but Aaron Gordon puts the butts in seats, so who do we go to? So they trade Aaron Gordon, but then they trade Vucevic. So I'm like, okay, total rebuild. So now they're going with the young core, which I was high on RJ Hampton, um, so I was happy that he went there, and he's clearly this is a better situation for him than Denver. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I actually like Markel Foles because everyone, like the whole Ben Simmons thing, everyone wrote him off. I'm like, <laughs> he has no pressure here. I'm like, I'm <laughs> stock. And he, all of a sudden, we're starting to see him play. So 
they have the young core. And now we just need to continue to build that and find an identity and a direction. You can have all the talent you, in the world, but if you don't have a direction, it doesn't matter. So Orlando needs to figure out what is our plan and then how can we go about uh, like really filling out that plan and being successful with it. So that's what's interesting to me. There's, I think Jalen Green, I mean, obviously all these guys in the top picks are going to be are, have the potential to be crazy, but I know he played in the G League, so he may not have gotten the spotlight or the time of a Jalen Suggs and whatnot. But He's special, man. He is special. Like, he's he special. is really special. And, if he I mean, falls to place. Orlando, right, right, he's that guy for like he can. I think Orlando needs a bucket getter. You know, they got a good setup, man. You love Mo Bamba down low. You love John Jonathan Isaac. He's the ideal wing player. They just need. I think they just need a bucket getter in you Orlando. Need that guy. Yeah, you need that guy. And if Jalen Green could fall to the five spot, he is a bucket getter. And He'd be a happy backcourt mate with R.J. Hampton and Mark. Like it'd be that'd be yeah. beautiful. So I'd like that. And Scotty Barnes is scary as heck. I love Scotty Barnes a lot. I I love all those Florida State long wing yes. players who don't do anything amazing, but they do everything good. Do everything good. And he goes to the right situation as well. He can be a very successful ball player. Watch out for the Golden State Warriors at this pick here. Because he's uh, they got two first round picks and they can move up to get a guy like that. And um, hopefully Kate goes to the Pistons. I like Jalen Green to fall to the Houston Rockets, um, a, a team that has nothing there. And he can just shine because, um, like I said, he's just a pure bucket as it comes. I think the draft's going to be interesting, like you said, around those seven to 12, seven to 15 spots where those those teams that are on the fringe make those big time picks. Oh, absolutely. And that's a great point. And Golden State, you always have to look out for because they are so smart and they always do the right thing. They do what you said. They draft the best player available. Yes. And they have confidence in our coaching staff and our organization that we can find a way to make this fit. I will say, though, I thought they should have drafted LaMelo. Man, I'm... That, that was I, I wasn't sure if that was just like my NBA 2K coming out of me, but right. I was yelling at my TV like... Wiseman makes sense. Like it was like your Bucks and the Hawks. Wiseman makes sense, you know. Like cool, get him. But man, I just imagine a six eight Lamelo next to Steph and Clay, and and, and my two K came out, and I'm just like, that would be beautiful. Yeah, and he and I said he has that. Yeah, I said he has that Bluetooth DNA. He connects with everybody, and he's not necessarily always ball dominant. And could you imagine the spacing with him, Clay, and Steph? I digress like, a little bit. What was it? What was your last? Uh, <laughs> just a, man, it would have it would have been special, but so I would have definitely loved that. Um, last thing is they just released the rosters uh, to the uh, the NBA the the USA team this year, and you know no Steph, no LeBron, but we got a pretty good team, and I'm gonna name them off just for people who haven't seen the roster yet. We got Durant, Booker, Jason Tatum, snubbed from the uh, all-team NBA this year. Damian Lillard, Bradley Bill, Zach Levine. People are going to be shocked about that guy. They don't see him too much. Um, Bam Adebayo, Chris Middleton, K-Love is in there. Dre Green uh, and uh, Drew Holiday and Jeremiah Grant. What, what do you expect from this uh, USA team? This is this is the first team where we haven't seen LeBron none in, 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 you know, since he's been got them back to that hump. It's going to be yeah. an interesting season. Um, well, first, there's only like two bigs on there. I just Bam and Kevin. It goes to show you the new basketball era. Um, <laughs> but, no, that's yeah. the, 
definitely veterans. The veterans obviously know. Okay, I need to get my rest. So Steph is getting his rest. Braun is getting his rest. I thought. I thought James Harden. Didn't he say he wanted to play? He said he wanted to play. Uh, but I must have called him. <laughs> yeah, Ron must have called him. His trainer probably was like, "James, chill. Yeah. You don't need this yeah. right now." <laughs> uh, the expectations are obviously gold. Like you, you got to get gold. You, Team USA. You have the best players in the world. You have to get gold. Granted, this is definitely a like this is the most talented USA basketball team we've seen. You you think obviously you got 1992 Dream Team, the 2012 team was just absolutely just ridiculous. So you compare it to like the all time teams, I'm not placing it anywhere close to there. But you have a Kevin Durant, you have a Dame, uh, you have you have some older players. It's crazy that they're the older players. Right, right? that's crazy that KD yeah. KD's yeah. the vet here on this team. KD's the that, him yeah, that's love. weird because I remember 2012. He was like that young guy that just sat on the buckets, but you had LeBron, you had Kobe, you had Melo, D-Will. You had a nasty team, but I think, obviously, yeah, the expectations are if you don't win gold, it's a bust. So, whatever. (laughs) I think um, I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure Grant Hill is now in charge of the whole USA basketball. And he's a brilliant basketball mind. So, talk about a Hawks guy. Um, I think he's going to do it all right. And so now I think USA, this is going to just, this is a new generation. It's the new wave. Obviously, like you said, there's two bigs on the roster. That's so wild. Like, yeah, it's just a new new era. And um, Bam is only 6'9", so he's really not like a big. Yeah, he's not a seven-footer or anything. And Kevin Love's a little surprising, to be honest with you. That's really surprising. So my thoughts on K-Love is he's trying to get out of Cleveland. A lot of people are like, do you still have it? You know, are you still K-Love? The last thing I saw were, was you just quit on your team in the middle of the season. Um, so he might go out to the USA team and, and prove that, you know, I can still help. I can still help somebody get over that hump. I'm still K-Love. Mm, I like that. That's, that's a really good take because I don't know if you remember when Braun went to Team USA, that's what kind of changed his whole mind of allowing playing with other stars. Uh, I mm. like playing with other stars. So all of a sudden he bounced out of Cleveland went to Miami. Uh, yep. So- that's an interesting point. I like that. And I think Kevin Love, when I covered the games, and this is no shade to Kevin Love, he's an NBA champion, but when I watched Cleveland play, and I watched because I've, I've watched every game play in Orlando and every team, he just didn't seem like he loved basketball. Like he just like he just wasn't happy to be there. Like you yep. know what I mean? Like he just he didn't have any type of spirit. There was no fire there. And so to your point, I think he kind of wants his last stretch of his career to be somewhere else and have some fun and contribute to a, a team that has a chance to win. Yeah, I, I think he thought him and LeBron were going to stay in Cleveland yeah. and make some more runs together. Yeah. And Brown said, I'm going to Cali, dude. And I think they may even ship Colin Sexton. Colin's my guy, and he's, he's from the Atlanta area. I love Colin Sexton, and I think he's he may be out of there as well. I saw a report, and it just kind of died down. There was nothing else from it, but they're clearly looking at options. Yeah, because they are in a spot where they've got a – couple of guards and him and Darius Garland and you're really not sure if because they see the Portland Trailblazer two guard same as Zach Height not really working both pure scores Colin Sexton's a guard and so is Garland but they are both bucket getters you know they are they are scoring guards they're not neither are trying to set up anybody right so I, I think that could be an issue in Cleveland so you may be onto something that Sexton could be his days in Cleveland could be nearing the end um, all we know is it's going to be an interesting offseason all around, and uh, the rest of these playoffs are going to be amazing, and I'm all tuned in, and hopefully we get the Hawks and the Suns, and I get to see Chris Paul smell his first NBA final, oh, man. And I want nothing more. I want that guy to win a ring so badly. He, he <laughs> deserves it.
Yeah, now that Kobe retired, I'm thinking Kobe for office also, accepting NBA checks, I'm taking off his